God speaks all the time. It's just whether or not that we are listening to the voice of God in our lives as to whether or not we get the message that he is communicating to us. And I guarantee you that the communication problem is not on his side. The communication problem is always on our side. But you know, for, you know, you know, and I, I'm a IT guy by trade, so for two nodes to communicate with each other, each one has to be functioning correctly, right? And just because the main node is sending out the messages doesn't mean that they're always being received. In the book of Job, there's a lot of talking that goes on. It's probably more dialogue that takes place in the book of Job than anywhere else in Scripture. I mean, just the constant dialogue. You know, we, we start out in, in the book of Job, and the narrator tells us a little story, and then immediately we listen to the enemy speak. And then he talks to God, and then God responds to the enemy. And, and then we see the very next thing that happens is that Job's servants come and begin to tell him all these terrible things that have happened to him. You know, your servants were, were you know, taken captive. Your livestock were killed. And, of course, the last one comes and says your family uh, has, has been killed by the, by the storm and the house has, has fallen on them and taken their lives. And then we hear Job respond to them. By saying, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And directly after that, uh, we, we see Job, is, we, we go back to the throne room of God. We see the enemy again speaking, speaking to God. And then God responds to the enemy once again. And then uh, directly after that, the next dialogue that takes place is when Job's wife comes into Job and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And then, of course, Job responds to her and says, quit acting like you're one of them foolish women, right? I still haven't tried that. I, I think I'm not going to. <laughs> Try to work up my courage, right? You're acting. I love you a lot. Love you twice as much even now. Um, <laughs> and, and the next thing we see is that Job's three friends show up, right? And then like I preached, they, they showed up. They should have just shut up and they should have all looked up together. Uh, but instead they ran their mouths for about, oh, I don't know, 20 some chapters right? And they do all this jabbering and talking and none of it's worth anything. But, but, but they talk and Job responds to them and they talk and Job responds to them. And there's all this talking that takes place. And, and then Elihu shows up. I preached on that last week and Elihu has a lot of good things to say. He's still wrong ultimately, but he has a lot of good things to say. And, uh, you know, Job doesn't even bother to talk back to him. And, and so all this talking has taken place, and then we ended last week's sermon with this from the book of Job in chapter 38 and verse 1, and the Bible says, and then God spoke from the storm. So this is what we've been waiting for the whole time. So, so, so finally, God is going to show up and not talk to the enemy. Finally, God's going to show up, and we're not waiting on any human dialogue to take place anymore. God is going to show up and talk to Job, and in talking to Job, in turn, talk to us. In turn, in turn, talk to us. And how do you, how do you introduce the, the speaker? You know, I was able to, in, in, the, in the other, you know, parts of the sermon, uh, the sermon series, I was able to tell you a little bit about each person that was going to do the speaking. You know, I could tell you about the enemy and, and, and what his desires and his wants for you are. You know, I could tell you about Job and, and, and his character and his integrity and his life and even his, you know, even, even the ultimate outcome of it. I could tell you a little bit about Job. I could tell you a little bit about his wife and, you know, the situation she was in and what she had suffered and why she reacted the way that she did. And I could tell you about Zophar and Bildad and, and, and Eliphaz and, and what was going on in, in their lives and where their kind of background was coming from. And I could tell you about Elihu and what his goals and his purposes were. And I could tell you all these things. But man, how how do you introduce the speaker for today? 
I mean, how do you introduce the speaker for today? Now, I tell you what, let me, let me, let me just let him introduce himself. So if you would just stand with me for the reading of God's word. And, and today we're, we're not actually going to start in the book of Job. We, we will walk through the book of Job here in just a second. I'm going to talk about several different scriptures from Job. But before we do that, let me just introduce the speaker to you. And I'll be in the book of Isaiah in, in chapter 46, starting in verse 5. And, and we'll just let the speaker introduce himself. Isaiah Chapter 46, starting in verse 5, and the word of God says this. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales, and then they hire a goldsmith and make it into a god. And then they bow down and they worship it. They lift it on their shoulders and they carry it and they sit it up in its place. And there it stands. And from that spot, it cannot move. And even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this and keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you bunch of rebels. Remember the former things, those from long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a, from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that I will bring about, what I have planned, that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted. That's us, by the way. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted. You who are far from my righteousness, I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion and my splendor to Israel. Now, can somebody give God a shout of praise up here in the way church? Father, we worship you this morning. We praise you. We honor you above all things. God, let every idol that we have built be torn down. And I don't care how much the world celebrates it. Let, let all the idols that we have built in this world of money and fame and fortune and attention and all the stuff that we hold up so high, let it all be torn down and made low. God, I praise you and we worship you this morning. Let you be the object of our, our affections, God. Let you be God to us because there is no other in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, man. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so out of the storm, out of the storm, Job 38 verse one, out of the storm, God, speaks this this unmoved mover this uncaused cause this beginning and end of all things speaks 
And wait, church, let me, let me tell you this, man. His words have more weight. His words have more weight than the culmination of all existence. One word from the mouth of God, when compared against everything else in all creation, has more substance, has more meaning, has more depth, has more weight, has more power, has more purpose. One word. One word. You know, I always like to say that, man, Peter wasn't even walking on water. He was walking on the word of God. Because Jesus said, come. And because of one word, he was able to ignore all the, the laws of physics that hold our universe together. One word from the mouth of God is all it takes. You know, like I said last week, man, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and was God. And everything that was made was made through him and nothing that was made was made without him. And he was filled with life and light and truth and grace. That's the word of God. And so God speaks to Job and he says this, who is this that obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Woo! Uh-oh. You ever have a conversation like that with God? He only chastises those he loves though. I'm telling you, if you've had a conversation like that with God, then count yourself amongst the loved because he only chastises those that he loves. Get ready to answer me like a man, Job. When I question you, you will inform me. Get in here, boy. Sit down. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You better answer me. What a great father that he is. I mean, what an incredible father that he is. Where were you? You got all these big questions. You want to know why I'm doing the things I'm doing? I'm going to move this out here because I'm going to use this a lot today. You, you got all these big questions. You want to know why I do what I do? You want to know why you're in the situation that you're in? Where were you when I established the earth? I mean, tell me if you understand. Who, who fixed its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it? God stretched out that chalk line and went boop, made a line, lined everything up. What supports its foundations? I mean, surely you know, right? Or who laid its cornerstone? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place? When I declared you may come this far, ocean, but you can go no farther, your proud waves stop right here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or signed the dawn in its place? Have you made the sun rise? Have you made it set? Do you know how all this stuff works? Have you assigned the dawn in its place so it may seize the edges of the earth? God's question to Job is really just this. You're asking all these questions, but ultimately you don't really even understand the question. How can you ask me why I do what I do when you don't even understand the rock that you're standing on? How can you ask me to explain myself to you when you don't even understand who or what I really am? And if you don't understand what I am, then you certainly can't understand what you are. 
So why on earth would you come to me with these questions, with, with these big questions when you don't even understand the little things? Do you want to know about the purposes and the plans of God when you don't even know the purposes and the plans of the clouds? You want to try to understand God when you don't even understand the waves that come out of the ocean? You, you don't even understand why the sun rises and sets and you want to know why I do what I do? It leads me to something else, and, and me and Jim were talking about this earlier in the week. You know, I, I hear people say to me all the time, I know you're not supposed to question God. And they say that all the time, but they're never able to tell me where it says that. They're, they're, they're never able to tell me where it says that in Scripture, that you're not supposed to question God. Well, you're not supposed to question God. Well, then a lot of these Bible guys got it wrong. And I even remember one fellow that said, if there be any other way that you would take this cup from me. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't wrong. I read in the Psalms the, 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 the King David wrote, my God, when is this going to end? My God, why do you keep turning your back on me? Why are you so far away from me? Oh, God. When I read the prophet Habakkuk that says, God, I look around and all I see is evil and destruction and filth and murder everywhere. And why aren't you doing anything about it? I see that all the time. And God struck none of those guys dead where they stood. I think God desires us to question him. But only so he can answer. And so maybe that truth stands. Maybe you shouldn't question God. Probably you shouldn't question God. Not because he doesn't want you to or he's commanded you not to. But because probably you're not going to like the answer. <laughs> so here's my suggestion as your pastor and your friend. I would only question God if you're ready to accept the answer that God gives you, whether you like it or whether you don't, amen. That's the only time that you should ever question God. If you're going to receive what God has for you. If you're going to receive the answer that he has. Because how are you going to learn if you don't ask? How are you going to know if you're not willing to grow? But you've got to be willing to accept the answer that God gives you. And here's the answer that God's going to give you. Ah. Uh, I am. And that's all. And that's enough. And when you understand in your life, and when you understand in your spiritual walk, and when you understand like Job in the midst of your suffering that that's enough, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. Not that you've arrived, but that you just might be ready to begin the journey that God wants to take you on. You just might be ready to begin. And we say things like this, but God, how come the thing didn't turn out my way? How do you know? How do you know the thing didn't turn out your way? I told you before, 
you don't even know what good is. We don't know what good is. We're a bunch of broken down, messed up sinners. We don't know what good is. How do we know that it didn't turn out our way? Can you see the beginning from the end? Look, we don't know how this thing started, and I guarantee you, you don't know how it ends. And you know what? We don't know a whole lot about the middle either. Somebody say amen. And so who are we? Who are we to question God and say the thing didn't turn out my way? You know what we're really saying to God? God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah, see how that works out for you. Because now you're not questioning God, now you're accusing God. And that's a whole different topic for a whole different Sunday. Now you're accusing God. But we say things to God like, but God, there's all this suffering that's going on in the world. How, how can all this suffering take place? How, how can all this suffering, if you're so good and so powerful, and why does all this suffering take place? Look at the story of Job. Yeah, Job suffered. And that suffering has inspired billions, billions, and, le- and, and led thousands, thousands, and untold thousands unto salvation for thousands of years because of the suffering of one man. Because of the suffering of one man. And you tell me whether it's worth it or not. You tell me whether it's worth it or not. And we say things to God like, all my stuff is gone. I lost my home. My car broke down. Hackers, you know, Czechoslovakian hackers stole my savings account. I mean, I hear stuff like this all the time. I, I'm serious. And God says to us, listen, you're missing the point. All this stuff is going to crumble to dust. All this stuff is going to crumble to dust. Everything you see around you is nothing but dust. In the end, all that's left is faith and hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. And then they're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, God, but what about the loved one that I lost? I mean, God, how can you explain to me the fact that my child died? Whose child? I want you to think about that one real hard. When we take ownership over the gift that God has given us and we hold it up to God and say, but God, my child. And God says, whose child? Whose child? You think that that doesn't hurt him more than it hurts you? Because I'll tell you this, man, those who love much hurt much. Wouldn't you agree that the more you love, the more possibility for pain that exists in your life? And so doesn't that mean that the one who is love, 1 John 4 and 8, doesn't that mean that the one who is love has the opportunity and the potential to hurt more than anything in all of creation? He hurts for that situation more than you ever could. And yet, and yet, He uses it. 
and yet he uses it. Romans 8 and 28, man, my God uses all things. Not, not the good things, man. He uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He uses it. And so Job is out here asking big questions when he doesn't even understand little things. And we, in all of our vast human knowledge, we understand very little, even about ourselves or the world around us. What do we propose to know about God? God says, you know nothing, Job. You know nothing. And then God says this. Will the one that contends with the Almighty correct him? In other words, he says, hey, Job, since you know so much, then why don't you tell me how to do it better? Why don't you tell me how to do it? I mean, if you think that you know so much about this whole situation, why don't you tell me what you would have done? Let him who argues with God give an answer. Then Job answered the Lord, I'm so insignificant. How can I answer you? I placed my hand over my mouth, which is where it should have been in the first place. I've spoken once. I will not reply twice, but now I can add nothing. See, now Job's wisdom and faith have come back, right? Now Job's wisdom and faith have come back. Job got all up in his feels. You guys get all up in your feels and you let them control you and all of a sudden you've exploded on everybody that you know. Yeah, you've, you've, you've done, you've said, you've went, you've did, you've caused all these rifts in your relationships and you've said all the stuff and did all the things and you got up all in your fields and you let your emotions control you. And like I preached about two years ago, emotions are meant to be uh, felt and not followed. Can you say amen? And then Job followed his emotions because he was in the midst of all that suffering, all his pain. It led him to rebel against God, at least in thought and maybe word, if not in deed. And, and he comes to God. And he's got all these big questions and he wants to you know, plead his case before God. But then all he had to do was hear from God. And God put everything back in perspective and everything fell right back where it was supposed to be. And I'll tell you the same thing for your life right here, right now, man. If everything in your life is out of whack, all you need to do is hear from God and believe God and receive the word that God has for you today. And everything in your life will fall right back into place right where we're supposed to be all the time. And God will put it where it needs to be and he'll put you where you need to be and he'll put you on the path to where you need to go. Yeah, you can give him praise now, man. Let's shout out for God. Let's shout out for God because he makes a way where there was no way because there's no way that we can be who God called us to be. There's no way we can go where God's called us to go to do the things God has called us to do without God, without God. So man, he's got a word for you today and I don't know what it is, but it's in this book. He's got a word for you today. And he wants to speak that word over your life. And if you'll receive the word of the Lord in your life, man, everything will change. Everything will change. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And if he did it for me, I know he'll do it for you. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. All the call in the name of the Lord will be saved. All the call in the name of the Lord will be saved. You and, and everybody that you've ever known has that opportunity. Everybody has that opportunity to receive the word that the Lord has for them. Everybody. And I'm glad Job did. God was like, what do you got to say now? And he was like. <laughs> if we would remember that in our prayer life, it would change a lot. It would change a lot. 
I mean, how many of us go to the Lord with our list? It's like, all right, prayer time. Let's see. Let me get alone in my closet here. Close the door. Ah, here we go. All right, God. I pray for the world and the president and the corona thing and the vaccine thing and the unrest that's going on and the people in Afghanistan and for my sister and my brother and my kids and my family. Uh, hold on, I'm not done yet. And I want to pray for the game today and I want to pray for our services on Sunday and I want to pray for my finances and I want to pray. Uh, they got to heal us from that game one the other night, man. And I want to pray uh, that, you know, God's love is shown out across the world and I want to pray that you'll be with our healthcare systems and our education systems and God, I want to pray for, hold on, I'm not done yet. God, you keep on trying to interrupt me there, bub. And I just want to pray for the, uh, the ice cream machines to start working at McDonald's. And I want to pray for the, uh, hold on, I'm still not done yet, God. I want to pray for all the other stuff that's going on in the world. I want to pray for all the prayer requests that people put on the Facebook. And amen. Woo. Got that knocked out. All right, good. And God's like, oh, well. But I mean, seriously, I know it's silly, but, but how many times do we pray like that? How many times do we go to God with this list of needs that we have, and, and we, we pray, and we ask God to do all the things that we want God to do, and then we say amen, and we go home and do whatever. We, we, we go to the next activity. Let me put it like that. You, then you go on to the next activity, right? We, we get our prayer in, and, and you, told all, you, you told, just told God a bunch of stuff that he already knows. And did not give him the opportunity to tell you something that you definitely do not know. That you definitely do not know. Because, you know, like the book of Job, you know, prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a dialogue. And, and we should spend just as much time just, man, just receiving and meditating over the word of God. Just receiving and meditating over the word of God and just, just seeing what God has for us in our life. And just seeing what kind of transformation could take place in us. Because ultimately... You know, prayer has more, the prayers that you're praying really have more to do with you than they do the world around you. I mean, and it just gives God an opportunity to connect with you and do something in your life. And, and, and we spend too much time talking at God and not enough time receiving what we need to receive from God. But I sure am glad that God, I'm sure I'm glad that Job is ready to do what his friends should have done in the middle chapters of the book. He's ready to just show up and shut up and look up and receive what God's got for him in his life. And, and too often we don't do that. Too often we come with our own agenda, which is what the song we sang said, right? Lord, I'm sorry for when I've come with my agenda because I guarantee you that your agenda doesn't match up in any way, shape, fashion, or form with the plans that God had for you in your life. And, and the things that God wants to do in your life are so much more and so much better than anything that you could ever imagine for yourself. I mean, take the best laid plans of mice and men and they pale in comparison to the plan that God has for you. And that's just the truth. And then God, and then God speaks to Job again. And you'll see how all this connects, man. God speaks to Job again from the whirlwind. He says this, get ready to answer me like a man. You know, get ready to answer me like a man, Job. Come on, you wanted to have this conversation. You wanted to have this conversation, right? You wanted me to show up and to speak into your life. Now you better stand up and you better listen to what I had to say and you better be able to respond. Look me in the eyes and act like the man that I have designed you to be and quit cowering and quit backing down. You wanted this. You wanted to see God face to face. Well, here I am. Here I am. 
Here I am. And, and, and I, you know, I think that maybe sometimes we do that in our own lives. Man, I would love to experience the presence of God and God falls on us and we're like, ah! What was that? It's like, dude, that was the Holy Spirit. Whoa. It's like I've said many times in this place. Be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you ask for. Sometimes I put a disclaimer on our altar prayers. Like, hey, this time, don't just anybody come down here. Because don't ask for more of the presence of God in your life if you don't actually want more of the presence of God in your life. Because he's liable to show up and take over. He never did give Peter that boat back. <laughs> he never did. He said, hey, man, can you loan me your boat for a while? And Peter's like, yeah, I'll loan you my boat. And at the end of the story, he still got it. Still got it. He pulls up on the shore, and Jesus is cooking fish. And Jesus is like, are you taking good care of my boat? <laughs> the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will answer me. Would you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Can you adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and clothe yourself with honor and glory? Can you pour out your raging anger and look down on every pride person, proud person, humiliate them and look on every proud person and humble them and trample the wicked where they stand? Can you hide them, excuse me, together in the dust and imprison them in the grave? If you can do these things, then I will confess to you that your own right hand can deliver you. Job, if you can tell me how to do it better, then I'll let you do it. Job, if, if you can tell me, if you can tell me how that you're going to save yourself, if you can tell me about justice, if you can tell me about justification, if you can do all these things for yourself, then I'll let you do it. Then I'll confess to you that you're God and I'm not. And you as a person can do what you've always wanted to do. Tell me how you do it. But here's the thing, guys. We don't have to challenge God's justice. Because he desires to give us grace instead. And we don't have to, to, to try to make God guilty so that we can be justified. Because God already proclaimed our guilt onto his son so that we can be justified. And we cannot adorn ourselves in honor and glory and righteousness. But it's God's desire to clothe us in honor and glory and righteousness by covering us with the blood of the lamb of the living God. Can you say amen? Because he that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's the whole purpose. And you tell me that every word in here doesn't point directly to the cross. Directly to the cross. 
and you will never be able to save yourself with the strength of your own right hand. But you can be saved by the strength of the one who sits at his right hand. You can't do it on your own. You can never be God. We can't challenge his justice, but thank God that there's grace. We can't claim that he's guilty, but he took the punishment for us anyway. Our righteousness is but filthy rags compared to the glory of God. And yet he covers us in his. And so Job replies for a final time to God. I know that you can do anything and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. And you asked, who is this that conceals my counsel with with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand. Things too wondrous for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and when I question, you will inform me. Well, God, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my own words, and I am sorry for them. I am dust, and I am ashes. But you know what, church? We serve a God that makes beauty from ashes. We serve a God that can take broken things and mold them and shape them into what they were supposed to be from the beginning. We serve a God that has a purpose that the world can't see and oftentimes we cannot see for ourselves. And in verse, in chapter 42 and verse 12, the Bible says this, that the Lord blessed Job in the latter parts of his life more than in the former parts. Everything that had been taken from Job was restored to Job twice as much as before. It was a double portion blessing. That doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen for all of us. It just means that God has a plan and a purpose. And it's more wonderful than anything that you could ever imagine. And it's more powerful than anything that we could ever dream of. It means this, that we play a part in the plan and the purpose of God that we can't fathom, can't understand, but are so blessed just to be a cog in the great machine that is the kingdom of God. And some of those gears are going to get stripped. But I tell you what, God will celebrate those stripped gears just as much as he does the ones that run like a top for the rest of eternity. Matter of fact, I think he just might have a special place for those the ones that require a little bit more grace. My Bible says that those that are forgiven much, they love much. And I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven much. And so I love a whole big, 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 big bunch. And I know that many of you do too. And I want to read this to you to kind of close this series. 
And this is out of the book of Romans in chapter 8, and I, I've, I've referenced it throughout this series, and I talked about one of the, one of the ending verses of it a, a few minutes ago, but I want, to, I, want, I want to read just this whole little segment of Scripture for you. This is in the book of Romans in chapter 8, and it starts in verse 18, and the Bible says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not so only, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I pay really close attention to this part. And we know that in all things, how many things? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those that he justified, he also glorified. Can you say amen? And so the book of Job comes down to this. Praise God in the midst of your suffering. Praise God in the midst of your suffering because there is a purpose in your pain. As your tears fall down, let your hands go up. And sometimes you're not going to experience an event. Sometimes you're going to walk through a season. And if you're walking through a season of suffering, you better do so hand in hand with a Savior. Can you say amen? And if the people around you are suffering, you got to remember, just because something's true doesn't mean that it's helpful. And so most of the time, what we need to do is show up and shut up and everybody look up and see what God has for them. And sometimes our suffering is to mold us and shape us and grow us and empower us. Sometimes we're on the potter's wheel. Sometimes we're in the fiery forge. Sometimes the vine dresser needs to get a hold of us and prune some stuff off. So yeah, sometimes our suffering is meant to mold us and shape us, but not always. Because what's most important is not that you're growing in your suffering, not that you realize that God's changing you. What's most important is that you realize that God is available to you in the midst of your suffering. So no matter what you're going through in your life, reach your hand up and God's going to take it. And when he does, he'll do one of two things. Either he'll pull you out of it or he will walk through it with you. And most importantly, most importantly, there's a million zillion voices trying to scream at you every single day. But when God speaks, you better listen. When God speaks, 
you better listen because he is the only source of actual truth in all of the universe. Do you need to question God? Only if you're ready to receive the answer. And if you are, then question away. But guys, when the answer comes, surrender. When the answer comes, man, surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. You remember that acronym that we had for pray, right? Praise God. Repent to God. Ask God. But then ultimately that why, man, stands for yield. At the end of the day, it's all about surrender. At the end of the day, it's that we would take our life to the cross of Calvary and lay it down and say, God, whatever I've got left in this life, it belongs to you because I know that you can do a lot better with it than I can. That's what it comes down to. That's what the book of Job about. That's what the Bible is ultimately about. That God desires relationship with you. That he was willing to die just to be with you. And all he wants is for us to come and lay ourselves down at the altar of grace. In Romans 12, it says, present yourself as a living sacrifice for God to do with as he will. And if that means that we get to stand on the mountaintops and sing the praises of God for all the blessings that we've received in our life, then so be it. And if that means, if that means that we have to take ourselves to a Middle Eastern jail cell and get on our knees while some guys shouted us in Arabic and cut our head off, then so be that too. That's the truth that's found in the book of Job. Would you challenge my justice? No, but I'll receive your grace. Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? No, Lord, but I praise you for pouring my guilt on your son. Think about that for a second, guys. Did you know that when we ask God to save us, Ultimately, we're asking him to kill his own son. When we ask God to save our souls, we're asking the Father 
pour out the wrath that we deserve on his own son. And he says, yes. And the son says, yes. God and ask him why we suffer. Every time we ask for his grace, man, we're we're finally taking credit. We're finally taking ownership. of the fact that it wasn't the Romans that put the nails in his hand. That it was me. When we surrender what's left of our life to Jesus Christ, we're finally finally admitting our part in the crucifixion of Christ. Oh God. Oh God. The God that did not withhold even his own guys earlier, love, love hurts. Love hurts. And the more you love, the more it hurts. And God loves more. God loves more. God loves more than the total amount of all the love that exists anywhere else in the universe. And he showed his great love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And yeah, it's embarrassing for us to say, God, won't you take him instead of me? Father, won't you punish him instead of me? And yet that's what he wants. That's what he wants. As he was hanging there on the cross, man, you were on his mind. place 
what he wants. He wants to, to, to drink the, the cup of the wrath of God so that you can drink from the cup of his grace. That's what he wants. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And so today, man, no matter where you're 